Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Butkus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Matt Amendola and Matt Butkus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Butkus Beyond the Line. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome back to Buckets Beyond the Line. Today we are joined by Monte Teo, former linebacker that played at the University of Notre Dame. From 2009 to 2012, a Heisman finalist that was drafted by the San Diego Chargers and played in the NFL from 2013 to 2021 with three separate NFL organizations and is also a two-time winner of the Buckets Award. First, the huddle. 989 on two, on two, on two. Ready? Great. On two, on two, on two. Ready? Great. Joe, week one, Green Bay at the Bears. It's here, baby. It's here. September tenth, we got our team Butkus event. That's right. You know, That's we right. We have a new spot. Billy Goat, baby. Yes. Navy Beer, Billy Goat. You can come there, buy some tickets off our website, TeamButkus.com. We got. Uh, we're and it's a late game, so three twenty-five. So. We're going to start at 11, watch the games there, come support uh, the Butkus Foundation is the first one out of the gate, because yep, my dad's yeah. going to be in town. We got that's the right. Bears Alumni weekend, weekend yeah. and that's, that's right. his ambassador game, so he'll be talking to the crowd after the first quarter. I mean, I just can't, I mean, we've been waiting for this for an entire year. I mean, how pumped up are you about to just ready to just unleash on the Packers? Without Rodgers. Kind of hope that, kind of hope we we would turn the corner, you know, beating him. But you know, they traded him away. Maybe because they were afraid of Game One. Maybe, buddy. I don't know, man. I'm just really excited. Justin Fields looks like he's going to have it dialed in defense. Um, I'm really excited about the offensive production as far as DJ Moore and the running backs. Uh, Johnson, I can't wait to see Rashawn Johnson get out there and start running, folks. All around the field, man. I'm excited. What about um what do you think about like Green Bay and Jordan Love and all that? You know what? I, I haven't seen just Jordan Love so much as far as like, you know, when Rogers was there, obviously he didn't get too much PT. But uh yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it is a home game. I like the fact that uh, you know, the I think the crowd will be, you know, a factor. I think that uh, it's a great momentum starter. It's game one. It's, you know, there's three seasons like we've talked about. It's the beginning of the the, the important stuff. And, uh, yeah, baby, let's, let's fucking roll. Yeah. I was, like, thinking about it and, like, getting them game one at home. You know, it's game one, right? Everybody's going to make mistakes. And, you know, maybe a, a certain team, you know, could beat other teams because – I, you know, game one, bring on bring on our rival game one because anything can happen, you know. It's probably well, going to really, be – it'll probably be the team that makes the least mistakes, you know. I agree. And I think that uh, Poles and Eberflus, I think they've had one of the best off seasons of, of, of most of the organizations. I mean, personally, that's not me being a homer, but the effective weapons that they put together – 
Um, you know, I think there may be a couple key plays that it comes down to. And I think that uh, with, I guess, the maturation process of Justin Fields, I think, you know, I think the Bears have a lot of potential this year. And I'm super excited. I mean, the tailgate's going to rock. It's just the beginning of the season. So we got to have, you know, a little bit of butterflies, of course. But uh, I'm sure once they get in between the lines, you know, that stuff's going to going to fly right by. So I'm excited. Like, like we're going to have butterflies, you know, setting up our first event. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. It's the first time for us to, to use the ferries as far as getting across the water. Yeah. So it's that's gonna be that. something different, something cool. Yeah, from the Navy Pier Billy Goat, we tailgate and then take the water taxi over to the game. That'll be that'll be kind of cool. Oh yeah. And it should be great weather out, you know, knock on wood. I've been checking it out. It's supposed to be around 85, but you know, in the Midwest that could change in a heartbeat. But I I mean, yeah. yeah. And well, actually the NFL starts off Thursday night, right? With one of our division guy, uh, you know, Detroit at Kansas City. Yeah, Dan Campbell's done a great job. I mean, I my brother played for that organization, and and it was during COVID, so it was a little bit kind of crazy at that time. But uh, I do love the organization. I like what Dan's done. Um, he seems to like, you know, the same type of players he was as a player. So, I mean, the intensity, the right. commitment. I mean, he's, a, he's a hard-nosed guy seems to command the respect of his players, you know? Yeah. And then uh and then Jack Campbell, our Buckus winner. That's right, Iowa. I've been watching him in the preseason. He's been kicking ass. Yeah, he has been doing really well. I watched a little bit of highlights uh of the last preseason game of him. And uh yeah man, he's filling holes and making tackles and he's looking elusive out there, baby. He's looking good. Right? Um, watch this. I'm going to throw you a curveball. All right. For week one. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let the games hey. begin, sir. Hey, who won last year? You remember? Oh, oh, just by a tiny, was it three games out of the whole right. year? Because I took All the right. Bears every damn game, and they went 4-13. and 13. <laughs> I lost my 13 wins. Well, all right. So who you got? Are you gonna you gonna fire some at All right, now? let's go. We're going straight up. Let's do we'll it. Do it. We'll do it quick. Detroit to right. Kansas City. Kansas City. All right, I'll go Kansas City with you. Carolina okay. and Atlanta. Ooh. Well, those are two franchises that are in a little transition right now. You know, uh, I love the run divisional game. Yeah, I think that they're going to lean hard, lean hard on the running game in Atlanta. I got to go Atlanta. I'm going to go Carolina. All right, let's do it. Cincinnati at Cleveland. Ooh, uh, Deshaun Watson's back. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I'm going to go Cincinnati too. Yeah, I got to Jackson, go. Jacksonville at Indy, another division. Ooh, uh, Jacksonville at Indy. Indy seems like a mess. Uh, Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, Jack I'll go, yeah, I, I, I'm with that on Jacksonville. I, I Tam that. Tampa Bay and our producers, producers, Brian's Vikes. Okay, well, I know, I know I'll where Brian's Vikings. leaning on this. Yeah, I got to go Vikes, too. I oh, mean, I just, I can't get, no, I can't, can't get, I don't know. I mean, the can't take all the favorites. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
I like you said, week one's a toss up at some of these times. It's just so you are you going bucks then? <laughs> You're trying to get me to go bucks. Uh, you know what? Not this time, buddy. No I'm, way. I'm going Vikes. I'll go Vikes. Tennessee and New Orleans. Ooh, tough. Um, at, where are they playing the game at? At New Orleans. Yep. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go New Orleans. I'll go New Orleans. San Francisco and Pittsburgh. San Francisco and Pittsburgh. I think uh, Pickett's gonna lead the charge, but not in this game. I go San Fran. I'll go Pitt. Okay, there you go. Another one of our winners, Watt. Yep, TJ. Arizona and Washington. Ooh, pillow fight of the week. Um, I'll go Washington. I'm gonna go Washington. I think I think uh, Phoenix is a disaster right now. <laughs> yep, I'll go Riverboat Ron. <laughs> there you uh, go. Houston at Baltimore. Oh man! Oh oh! Gotta. I'm going Houston, baby. It's the first game anything can happen. Deshaun Watson to the massage parlor. <laughs> I'll take Baltimore. Your brother at Denver rivalry. Oh, I'm definitely going Raiders. Uh, I got no, I, you know, I don't. I got no confidence right now in Russell Wilson. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm definitely going Raiders. All right, I'll go Raiders. Philly at New England. That's gonna be good. Um, you know I'll what? Go Philly. Yeah, even though they play really well at home, I'm gonna go Philly too. Philly looked so good all last year, and they got something to prove after the Super Bowl. I'm going Philly. Here goes Miami at the Chargers. I think that I'll Miami has two. I'm gonna go Miami. They got too much speed, too many weapons, and they're gonna make it happen. I got, I got Mia. The road dog there for you finally. <laughs> Rams at Seattle, another division. I just don't know how Seattle's. I, I'm gonna go Rams. I'll go Seattle. All right. It's another rivalry. Dallas at the Giants. Ooh, man, the way the Giants have been playing, and I just don't know if Dak's gonna make it work, man. I gotta go G Man. I'll go Dallas. All right. Monday night, Buffalo at the Jets. Ooh. Um, Rogers comes out of the gate firing Jets, baby. Rogers comes out of the gate and fires four interceptions. Buffalo. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, Packers at Bears. Oh, Bears all the way. Not even a question, baby. All right. Bears by 10. All right, everybody. Come to the Navy Pier, Billy Goat, Team Butkus Tailgate, TeamButkus.com, 11 a.m., three hours, watch the game, take the water taxi over. We'll see you Go there. Bears. Go Bears. Man, I can't wait to uh, talk to our two-time Butkus Award winner. He won the high school award, our first high school award. And oh, my yeah. dad and I had to go to Hawaii to give it to him. So that was That's a tough fine. trip. Let's go talk yeah. to him, see what he's up to. All right, let's go talk to Mansai. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. 
AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. Welcome back. We are joined today by a two-time Budkus Award winner, both high school and pro, that played at the University of Notre Dame from 2009 to 2012, a Heisman finalist that was drafted by the San Diego Chargers and played in the NFL from 2013 to 2021 with three separate NFL organizations. Monte Teo, welcome to the show. Hey, man. What? Uh, so what have you been up to? Uh... I saw my two kids, yeah. Two? I thought you had one. Now. Oh, we have two. So my son. Oh, okay. My son is seven months. My baby girl just turned two. Wow. Um, other than that, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's brewing on our end from a business standpoint, from a career standpoint, just a whole bunch of different pots going right now. So that's why I'm, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, thank you. So thanks for being patient. On yeah. Because I'll I don't because my wife she has her own business going she owns her own med spa out here and so she's doing really really well I have a few ventures that I'm doing right now we actually are closing on a huge project that's had me in meetings for, for like it's just what do you like some development stuff or business um, so stuff? Closing, closing on a portfolio that I started in uh, a real estate portfolio that I started in Cleveland okay the market's starting to shift over there a little bit. So I, I think it's kind of like at that point where I'm like, okay, now I can, you know, do kind of like a wholesale type of deal where I kind of get in and get out, get the, the profits, get my interest on the top and then, you know, go invest it elsewhere. I just got into the private equity game, which has been a huge game changer. So that's the thing that has been taking up a lot of time yeah. um, because I've been trying to, you know, I'm the type of guy I don't like just getting into something and I don't know what I'm, looking at or i don't understand what i'm doing you know so it's it's been a it's definitely been a process with that and you know meeting with all of these millionaire billionaire you know, <laughs> right guys and you know they're they're they just know their game and i'm like okay now you know this is my new game you know and so um got some broadcasting opportunities potential nice broadcasting opportunity that's one of the big reasons why we we're in san diego uh two weeks ago because that's go to orange county and check out some opportunities out there. Um, and so, yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. It's good to be busy, you know, I'm just right. trying to. Would you like to do that? Like when you're talking about, you know, like sports yeah. casting <laughs> or stuff like that, or an analyst, yeah. you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little, would I, yes, I would, you know, I don't know if I would make a good one. Reason being is this, I don't like being too critical on people. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? I don't like being the guy that says, oh, this guy. He should be doing this. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he's slow. Oh, he's, you know what I mean? Because I didn't like appreciate when people sitting behind a desk would say stuff about me. You know what I mean? You know how players are. Like, yep. who, is this? who the heck is this analyst saying this about me? You know what I mean? And so, Especially when I, they have it, when they've never played. Yeah. Never put a dock strap on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's even worse, though. When somebody from the fraternity of the brotherhood of the NFL says that, says that, you know, it's sure. just like, bro, you, you, you know what the deal is. You know what I mean? Like, why would you do that? And so 
I kind of, I'm trying to feel my, my way through it, you know, in this new space of trying to analyze people's games, um, but do it in a very constructive way and not a demeaning way. I don't like to be that. I never was that type of leader. You know, you know that, like right. I never got on all my teammates, you know, I always try to lift them and encourage them and empower them. So, you know, I'm not going to change that, you know, going into whatever endeavor I go to. It's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, guys, networks like when there are controversial things being said sure you know, and i'm like I'm not that <laughs> controversial guy no. you know, it's just like now I is like it something maybe me. maybe with the chargers or is no, that what so you're talking like there's about a couple, there's a couple there there's a few nfl opportunities there's a few college opportunities and so nobody has really jumped the gun just yet so i don't know if you saw but i did a broadcasting thing last year for the Notre Dame BYU game in Vegas. Oh, okay. I was, I was part of that those game day operations, and so that was kind of those uh, a feeler opportunity, and it was great. You know, kind of like, yeah. Into, Do yeah, I like this or not? Yeah, but it was, you know, everybody's kind of just waiting, and you know, I know it's a it's a weird time right now in the broadcasting realm. I know a whole bunch of networks just let a whole bunch of people go. So, oh yeah. So, and, yeah, that's and, about it. Other than yep. that, you know, just trying to be there for my kids. You know, that's my main thing is I want to be – I don't want to get into a career where I don't raise my kids. Has having kids changed you at all, or how do you – how is that? How are you feeling about, you know, life after football and having a family yeah. and having to balance that? Yeah, well, it's funny because when me and my wife found out that she was pregnant with our daughter, that's when I knew my time in the NFL was up. I was like, oh, it's it's over. <laughs> Um, and the reason why I say that is because I was, I was no longer willing to come into the facility at four in the morning, stay till nine o'clock at night, you know, in the off season, go and train from eight in the morning, be done at four in the afternoon. I was no longer willing to make that sacrifice. And in order to play the game, you needed to do those things. And because now I had a reason to want to be home, I was like, okay. You know, and it's kind of the writing on the wall for me anyway, in the, you know, the way my career was going. You know, Uncle Matt knows I, I, I ended in, in Chicago. Yeah. I was trying to get, I asked Uncle Matt about getting Pop's number because, you know, Chicago, they retire everybody's number. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just so happened they have a lot of good linebackers. And so the new linebackers, you don't have a lot of options. What was your out. number? 90, <laughs> 91 or something? No, I'm just like kidding. 49. 40. Like this is such an ugly number. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I at least need to get in the 50s, you know, and the only other number they had left was 57. And I was 51 during my whole time in New Orleans, and I loved that number. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was pop number two. So, yep. 57, I was like, that's the closest thing to the look of a 51. You know, I was like, so I'll take the 57, you know. And so, then you were 50 along the way, right? Yeah, I was 50 with the Chargers, um, and I chose that because um, Hawaii Five Bowl. There you go. Yeah, my dad yeah. was my dad was 50 in college. Yeah. What was That's funny cool. was when I initially got drafted, the Chargers gave me 51. Nice. And because because I was trying to do like a little marketing strategy thing, I was like, whoa, I can probably play off of the Hawaii Five Bowl thing. So if they had 50. I would go 50 and they had it and it was available. So that's what made me go 50. But it's funny how it circled back around to 51. And so, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a good, good career. Eight years in the league, you know, 
Nice. And what, uh, when you went to Notre Dame, how was the number, the number chosen? Oh, so, so funny story with that one. So I was always five in my career, you know, from high school to college, little league. And the reason why is simply when I was five years old, my dad asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I told him that I wanted to play football. His follow-up question was, well, do you just want to play football or do you want to be one of the best this state has ever seen? And, you know, I'm five years old at that time, and I, I didn't know what that even meant, but I told him, I was like, well, I want to be the best. And so I credit that day, that drive in that green Ford Bronco down our hometown street as the day that my career and my journey began. Nice. And he asked me, was I said, well, what number do you want to be? And I I simply because I was five years old at that time, I said, I'll, I'll be number five. Nice. Throughout my whole career. So that's probably something that a lot of people know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've, I don't think I've shared it a lot, you know, that, that story about why I had number five. A lot of people were like, oh, it was a Reggie Bush. I was like, oh, it was a great time to be number five when Reggie had number five. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely just because I was five years old. So it was at 1996. What it was. What was it like uh, receiving the first high school Budkus award? Oh, man. So, the surprise. Yeah, that was just that Tell was, that yeah. story. Um, so I remember it was funny because people were like, it was, a, it was the same week as our state championship game in high school. And uh, leading up to that week, you know, I'm kind of, when I get into that football mode, I, I kind of like, like my space a little bit. And I kind of go into my own little world. And I kind of just float for a little bit. Anyway, during that whole week, people kept calling me into my coach's office, my head coach's office, Coach Collett. And they kept asking me, he was like, do you know who Dick Buckus is? I was like, yeah, of course I know who Dick Buckus is. You know, if you if you play linebacker, you don't know who that is. Like, you obviously don't know what playing linebacker means, you know. And so um, everybody kept asking me, you know, that leading up to that day, like, you know, you know, who Dick Buckus is. And I was like, yeah, I was like, why is everybody asking me? You know, and then I remember I was in the library and I get summoned to the athletic department. And as we're walking, like, I remember there are a whole bunch of news trucks parked on our campus. And I didn't really think about it, really, because our state, the state championship was, was like, I think it was that day or like the day before. Was it that day? Uncle Matt? Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I think it was the same day, if I recall. Um, so I, I felt like they were just getting everything ready for the state championship game. <laughs> and I remember as we were walking up the ramp to go into the uh, athletic office, out pops Pop and Uncle Matt. And I'm like, wait, what are you guys doing here? You know, again, this was the first the first ever high school award. So I knew they gave it out, right? Right. They didn't. No, they give it to high school. So I'm a little confused. And then that's when they told me that I had won um, the first ever uh, high school Buckus Award. Yep. And I, yeah, I was geeked. So it was, it was a <laughs> great experience. And that's that's when this whole relationship with the Buckus family started. And that's why Uncle Matt is Uncle Matt. And, you know, Pop Buckus, I just call him Pop. So yep. you know, it's kind of like a huge And I'll, Uncle Rick. Rick's, Rick's yeah. in L.A. Yeah, yeah. He says yeah. he said hello. So yeah, it's it's it, it was it was cool, man. It was cool. I got I was I was trying to get that trifecta, you know. I was trying right. to get that crown. I was trying to get it in the league too, because well, I, I yeah. was able to get it. You sure. would be the first cool. one to get it, obviously. Yeah. 
then tell us your travels from there. Obviously, you chose Notre Dame over my Trojans, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So how did that all work out? Like you, you know, people yeah. on the island grow up. I mean, obviously, they know about football, and you watch. Yeah. They have all I'm the games there and I'm stuff. You didn't know this story, Uncle Matt. So I don't even know if you know this, but I grew up a huge SC fan. Yeah, I thought I remember. I think Rick, Uncle yeah. Rick, went and saw you on your trip there. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up a huge USC fan, and it just was it was perfect timing because around that time that you know that I was middle school, yeah, around middle school. This is when like USC was at the top of college football. You know what I mean? This is when oh, Reggie yeah. was there, and right, Matt Leonard was there, and Dwayne Jarrett was there, Lendell White was there, um, Ray Ray got there later, Taylor Mays. You know what I mean? So like all yep. of these guys are there, right? And so Matthews and Cushing and those guys, Cush, like it was just one of those places. And I try to tell when I tell people this story, I try to paint a picture for these kids nowadays. I'm like, listen, the way that you see like Alabama nowadays. And and Georgia, I say like, that's how SC was back when I was right. Young. Um, so anyway, I grew up a huge SC fan. Was blessed to, to receive a lot of offers from a few different colleges. And so I remember when I went on my my Notre Dame trip. It was around Thanksgiving. It was the coldest recorded game <laughs> in Notre Dame history. Um, they lost that game um, to Syracuse, and I think in 08, Syracuse was one of the worst teams in college football at that time. I think they were too. Yeah. Um, and so it needless to say, it wasn't like the ideal official visit, but you know, I, I it was a, it was a Midwest. I'd never been to the Midwest before. Um, but it was definitely, definitely not, not something that I, I pictured myself, you know, later committing to, but USC had a recruiting weekend uh, where all the top recruits came in and it was, it was always the, the weekend before signing day. And so before I left on my recruiting visit, my dad told me, he said, you know, when you come home on Sunday, we're going to talk about it as a family. I never said where I was going to go. You know, I never committed anywhere, but my dad, he was like, when you come home, we're going to talk about it as a family. And then, you know, you'll let us know where you're going to go. I said, like, all right, cool. So Friday I leave for my SC trip, had a blast. Like it was it's LA, you know, it's see <laughs> yep. Pete Carroll's there. Um, you know, Ray Malunga was there. Um, Stanley Havili's there, you know, guys who I knew. And so I get there, have a blast, come home on Sunday. Um, and we sit down as a family and my dad asks where I was going, you know, he said, he said where, where are you going to go? And I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to go to SC. He said, okay, cool. And uncle Matt knows this, but you know, my family were, were really a faith-based family. And so he said, all right, just make sure you pray about it. I was like, all right, cool. I'll pray about it. On Monday, I go to school. On my way, our, on our way home from school, our, our school was an hour and a half from where we lived. Mm-hmm. And so on our way home, my dad asked me, he was like, you still solid on SC? And I told him, yeah, I'm still solid. He said, oh, have you prayed about it yet? I said, no, I ain't, ain't prayed about it yet. He said, all right, make sure you pray about it. I said, all right. The next day is Tuesday. We're sitting, I'm sitting in an English class and uh, we're watching this movie, Dead Poet Society. You ever seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And so like from from what I got from the movie is just this kid who wants to be like an artist or something and like his dad wants him to be something else or something like that. Anyway, I'm looking at this kid, I'm like, "Hey, that's kind of like me, you know what I mean? Like 
I want to go to SC, but it wasn't my dad in my situation. It was everybody else, you know, like this coach wants me to go here. My uncles want me to go here. My teachers want me to go here. My friends want me to go here. And so in the middle of class, I said a quick prayer. And after my prayer, I got a call from my dad and I didn't answer it because I was because I was in the middle of class. And I listened to the voicemail, though. And it just simply said, you know, hey, the Notre Dame coaches just emailed, you know, wish you good luck. You know, they know that wherever you go, like you'll do great. What, you know, something to that note. After class, I went up to the the athletic department and I went and I walked into my my head coach's office, Coach Kale's office. Now, Coach Kale's dad, Charlie Ane, is in the USC Football Hall of Fame. So I walked in there, you know, expecting to talk about USC football. And so he asked me, you know, he said, hey, where are you going to go tomorrow? And I told him, hey, I'm going to go to SC. And my coaches, I mean, Uncle Matt, you met him. Like, you know, he's real chill. He's mm-hmm. real low low key. But I, I expected a different reaction from him, um, especially given the fact that I just, you know, said that I was going to go to your dad's alma mater. Um, but I remember him telling me, he was like, well, who, who else was it down to? And I told him, I was like, well, it was always SC from the beginning. I was like, but if there was anybody else, I would say you know, probably Notre Dame. I asked him, I was like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, well, you just seem like a Notre Dame type of guy. And I looked at him and I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, all right, thanks, coach. You know, and he said, like, well, congratulations. And I walked out. I walked into the next office, which was the athletic director's office, Mr. Holden. Um, I think he's an Ohio State alum, very energetic dude, very opposite of Coach Kala. And he said, like, man, where are we going to go? And I told him, oh, you know, I'm going to SC. He said, like, man, that's great. Where else was it down to? And I told him, I was like, um, if there was anybody else, it was Notre Dame. He's like, man, you know, the Notre Dame, man, they're alum, they're everywhere, bro. He's like, they're global. He's like, everywhere you look, like there's a Notre Dame alum. Yep. But, you know, SC got SC got some great alumni too. You sure. know what I mean? Like yeah. something to expect, you know what I mean? And I was like, all right, thanks. You know, I walk out and walk into the last office. And in that office, and I say this on the documentary, um, was a man by the name of Gary Satterwhite. Um, and I call him Uncle G. Like he's one of those guys that took care of me while I was at high school, like always looked out for me, track star from SMU. Uh, he was there during the Pony Express days. Nice. Um, and I sat in the office with him and he knew something was up. He knew, you know, you could tell by, by the look on my face that I had a lot on my mind. And he's like, no, Neff. He said, what's up? And I told him, he's like, man, I don't know. You know, I don't know. He said, well, let me know what y'all, how you feeling? And I said, man, I was solid on SU when I came into this office, you know. And I just talked to Coach Collier. I talked to Mr. Holden. I'm a little confused. <laughs> yep. I told him the situation. You know, I told him I was always high on, on SC. I grew up an SC fan. But, you know, Notre Dame keeps coming up. And I remember him saying, he said, you know, I love you. He's like, and he, he said, you're going to go to a place like SC. He's like, and you're going to be the next great Troy Polamalu. You're going to be the next Junior Seau. You're going to be the next Ray Maulunga. I just always thought you'd go to a place like Notre Dame and be the only man to tell. It was at that time that I felt like God himself just said, I just gave you your answer. And so mm-hmm. on the way home, we're on the hour and a half drive back home. And um, my dad is going through the logistics of the next day. Like, you know, you know, we're going to have the SE hat right here and, you know, you're going to sign the papers, blah, blah, blah. And in the middle of that conversation, I just thought, I ain't going to SE. <laughs> and he, Pulls over on the side of the road and he puts that thing in park. And he's like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, I ain't going. And, I, and I'm saying this like sad because I really wanted to go to SC, you know. And he's like, well, where are you going? And I told him, I was like, I'm going, I'm going to go to Notre Dame. And he smiled and he looked, you, 
and he and he and he and he said to me, he said, like, "You prayed about it, didn't you?" I was like, "Yep." Yeah. I said, "Okay," and that was that, that was, was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. <laughs> Tell us about when you went to um, what's that? That was your senior year. I mean, defensive guys usually aren't up for the Heisman. Yeah. How was the whole New York trip and all that stuff? Oh, he had a hell of man. a year that year, man. Because my dad, he was until Woodson. Was it Woodson that won it? Yeah, yeah. I think he was the highest rated, highest vote getter to the Heisman before the, yeah. a defensive guy actually won it. Yeah. So that yeah. must have been an exciting trip. I mean, yeah, no, that was that was definitely an exciting trip to be there. I mean, my parents was there, but I think again, if you watch the documentary, like. I was going through some stuff on that trip. Yeah. You know, and so sure. like it was one of those things where it was such a a crazy experience, um, both positive and negative for me. Sure. You know, it's just, I'm battling different things. I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, man, there's there's so many things on my plate right now. You know, I've got a national championship coming up. I've been on this circuit for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because we um Prior to that, we flew, we flew to North Carolina for an award for the Nagurski Award, I believe it was, and then we flew to Houston, straight from there to Houston, for the Lombardi Award, and then we flew to Florida for the ESPN College Football Award Show, I believe it was, yep. and that's when I found out from um, Uncle Matt and Pop them that I got the buck kiss. And that was so cool because I was like, man, it's like family thing all over again. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. You know what I mean? And then I flew from there to New York for the Heisman. And then I flew from New York all the way to LA for the lot. Right. And then flew back. And so it was a little award circuit that we're going on. And it was like, you know, I'm always going to say this, man. It was, it was a blessing, man. It was a blessing because I got to be there with my parents um, I was able to, re- you know, recognize them, recognize my teammates, because, you know, these are individual awards, but you understand yeah. in football, it's a team sport. You know what I mean? If yeah, you're D-line doing your job, like, you're not going to make any plays. Yeah. 11 guys are out there. Yeah. And so for me, it was a recognition of, of a whole bunch of people, not just myself. And um, yeah, being in New York, it definitely was, it was, it was a great experience um, to be there, to even be considered you know, in the Heisman as a Heisman finalist was, sure. it, it was, it was cool. Yeah, that's definitely, that's why I, I think my dad and I, you know, we, we, for our award, we go to the, we go to the recipient because yeah. we know they're flying around and being away from class and all that stuff. We'd like to yeah. go to the hometown where they're with their teammates and families and everything like that. Yeah. Do you still keep up uh, with some of your teammates and see them and, Go, yeah, you I go mean, back to Notre Dame for reunions, stuff like that. Well, I haven't been back to Notre Dame for a reunion yet, just because you know I've got the babies. Sure. Um, and you know, before the babies, I was still in football mode. You know, so I know we just had our ten year this past year. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't go to that. Hopefully, we'll, I'll be able to go to some in the future. But it's funny when you go back to Notre Dame, like everybody's there. You know, and it's like what's so cool is when you run into Tim Brown and you run into um, the Rocket, you know, you run into Jerome Jerome Bettis, Bettis, (laughs) you know, like it's just like 
like we played in different eras, but we're brothers. You know what I mean? And so it's like we'll talk. Yep. We'll talk about ball. We'll talk about the new generation of players. We'll talk about how the the campus has changed, like what they had back then, what I had when I played, what they what these kids have now. And it's just like, holy <laughs> smokes, you know. So it's like a whole they got a big they got a bigger a, wallet now. I know. Can you imagine that? <laughs> no. Notre Dame always had a nice little wallet, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> USC, USC is like that too. Like there's certain programs like they they're always gonna be you know, those perennial programs, but it's, it's so, it's so cool. Like to see how they progressed in ways, you know, especially with how the NCAA kind of treats their, their players nowadays, you know, the student athletes. I remember when we always joke about it when I go back, cause I, I know that they get these hot meals made for them now. <laughs> I was like, bro, I was like, back in the day, back when I played, it was against NCAA rules for them to give us a sandwich. Oh man, yeah, I remember yeah. those. I think so, it was right training day, at least maybe training. I mean, once a day, right? A meal a day. Also, like I just remember, like, so for instance, when we would come in for our six a.m. workouts, on the way out, there would be a table, a folding table in the mud room, and they would just have jars of peanut butter, jars of jelly, and and bread <laughs> on the table. Wow. But you had to put it together because if they put it together for you, technically that's a violation. Wow. And so it was funny when I went back to the the football facility at Notre Dame, like they had all of these things now. Like they had they had like chefs, they had like sure. order stuff. <laughs> yeah, they had like supplements ready for them. I'm like, bro, I used to come in here like late at night and I used to take the apples and the bananas from the little, <laughs> yeah. the little cardboard boxes by the 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 fuel room. You know what I mean? Sure. Getting, you guys have little cubbies where they give you your own tailored stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we'd have just, training table, and then we'd have like a hot meal, and then they'd put out a a table of cold cuts, yeah. like ham <laughs> and turkey, and and we just take the whole loaf of bread and we take all the turkey and the yeah, little yeah. the little packets of butter and yep. then we i'd have i don't know how many toasted ham sandwiches i've had <laughs> i mean because back then it wasn't you know you get your stipend and you didn't have a lot after that freshman well, year the, NI, the nil stuff a lot you know i mean That's some crazy. of these kids are millionaires by the time they're not even they haven't even played yeah. right right and and that's like you know like the way I look at the NIL is I'm glad that they agreed that athletes, student athletes should be compensated for their likeness, right? right? However, I don't think whoever is in charge, I don't know who it is, is doing a great job at kind of facilitating this whole thing. I think it just made it like the wild, wild west out there. You know what I mean? It's like, come to my school because I can give you $5 million. You know, it's like, sure. holy smokes. You know what I mean? Five, like five hot yep. meals a day. Yeah, like now it it went. I think it went from a a way for them to kind of level the playing field, you know. But now it's like you made it even worse. Yeah. You know, now like a big school sure. came in and promised these kids these this money and it's whoever like, whoever has the most money. Yeah. Right. The rich you are getting the, richer and the poor are getting poorer. You know. Yeah. Yet you still haven't on on a on a higher note, like you still haven't taught these kids like how to budget. You haven't even taught these kids 
like about how to be financially literate. You know, you don't you haven't talked to these kids about taxes. You ain't talk talk taught these kids about investments. You haven't taught them nothing. Right. And you you're over here saying I'll give you millions of dollars <laughs> and like free beats. You know what I mean? If you come to my school, it's just sure. like, bro, like teach these kids how to fish instead of giving them a nice shiny fish and then they starve one day. You know what I mean? Right. Teach them how to fish, bro. Yeah. Sure. So there's a lot going on in Hawaii right now. How do you feel about the Maui fires? I know it's kind of a little mm-hmm. off the topic, yeah. but I know it's Hawaii's been through so much the last few weeks. Have you I mean yeah. do you, I sure you do you have friends on Maui or do you talk about yeah. yeah, so you know, obviously it's 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 what has happened there. Um it's just so sad what's happened to that town. Um a town with so much history. Um, so much like cultural history, you know what I mean? It's not like it was a, 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 a big tourist attraction, you know what I mean? That didn't have still remnants of the past there, you know what I mean? There was like history, history, history. history. Now right. it's ash, you know, and it's just so sad to know that there are still hundreds of people still missing and how these families are being affected and man it's just one of those things where you look at them you look at the situation and me being from there seeing my people on the the screen just and their circumstances and you see how positive they are yeah they are uh-huh. oh, yeah. you see how much how how they look after each other you know what i mean regardless of whatever sanctions may come down like I remember they blocked the roads off and the boys were taking jet skis and going around, you know, and it's four, still four wheelers. Good. I heard four wheelers. People were yeah. just going, you know, like by, by any means necessary, we're going to make sure that our own is taken care of. And it's so beautiful for me to see that our people have, haven't lost that. We call it that Aloha spirit. You know what I mean? They're still choosing yeah. to show love and still choosing to look after each other, even though their own house was burnt down, even though they just lost everything, they're still worried about the next house. You know what I mean? They're still worried about the auntie or the uncle that lived on the street, you know, and helping them out, even though they're going through their own circumstances. And what a beautiful lesson that is for all of us to see like, hey man, like that's how that's how we all should be. You know what I mean? Like everybody's going through something. Yeah, everybody's battling the war that you know nothing about. Right. So, even in America today, you know what I mean. Just nice, man. Like you never know. That's it. I wish, wish everybody could be. You know what I mean? It's like we're all we're all here, whether whatever color you are, whatever bathroom you go into. You know, we're all good human. That's it. Treat people like you want to be treated. Yeah, like just. Simple. It's Use simple. The golden rule, man. Like, just be a good human, you know. And it's funny because I remember I was I was I was working out um at the gym, and this young man comes up to me and he asks to jump in and you know if he could work in a couple of things with me. I said, like, yeah, that's cool. And he didn't know who I was, and I remember he asked me. He was like, oh, are you are you Samoan? I said, like, yeah, I'm Samoan Hawaiian. He was like, oh, you're the better race. I was like, wow, what does that mean? He was like, well, he was comparing it to another Polynesian race. He was like, you know, Samoans, like they're, they're the better race. I was like, we, we're not better than anybody else, man. And he was like, 
oh, now I feel bad about it. I was like, don't feel bad. I just understand, though. I was like, right. that there is no better race because we're all one race. We're the human race. Yeah, that's right. That's what the society nowadays has done such a great job now is try to identify the differences in everybody and say, hey, this I'm different this way. That person's different that way. Instead of looking at the similarities between everybody, seeing what unifies everybody. You know, and so it's 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 funny. And that little experience what I had with with I, that I had with that young man that I was able to change his views for whatever reason. Sure. You know, his upbringing or experiences he had in his in his childhood that he had that thought in his head, whatever. Um, it was I think it was a powerful moment for the both of us to say, hey, listen, like, I'm, am I proud to be someone? Heck yeah. Am I proud to be Hawaiian? Heck yeah. I was like, but I don't consider my race better than anybody else's race. I find a lot of times a lot of people, especially in media, especially in social media, as mm-hmm. far as people being divided and putting in different categories. And I mean, yep. it's a shame they have to, you know, kind of promote that, you know, idealistic thought process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you for that, dude. Teaching mm-hmm. you know, one kid at a time. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, that's some, I think that's something that we all can do, you know. And I think the more that we can impact this world and show you know, just a level of compassion, a level of empathy. When kids come out the womb, in my like this is my belief, right? Like if if like if I were to take my seven month old son and bring him in a room full of a hundred other kids from a hundred different cultures, my son's gonna play with anyone. Like he 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 doesn't know. The only way that he knows not to play with a certain person is if I, as his <laughs> father, go over there and grab him and say, No, you don't play with that. Yeah. You don't play with that kid. You don't play with that girl. You don't play with that. That's the only way that my son will learn what is accepted and what is not accepted. And so right. what are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching the youth that when they become adults has become like that young man, like, oh, you're the superior race. No, I ain't. No, I ain't. You know, right. let me tell you what I am. I'm a human being. I'm your brother, bro. You don't know. You don't you don't know me from the next guy on the other bench. I was like, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm no better than anybody else here. We're all here trying to be our best selves. That's it. You know, and so that's for me the challenge every day. Now, as a father, you talked about earlier, how has being a father changed me? I have a different perspective on life. I want my kids to be peacemakers. I want my kids to be somebody who kids who go out there and make this world a better place. You know, now I don't want them to go and and just go out there and 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 go through the motions. Yeah, like just whenever you have the choice between being right um, and being kind, always choose to be kind. That's what I want from my kids. You don't got to be right. I I think that's you know you're born with a conscience. You know, when you're a little kid and you did do some stuff wrong and. Well, at least talking from experience, you know, you always had that in your heart. You knew, Mm -hmm. you knew it was wrong. You knew it was wrong to Mm -hmm. throw eggs at cars and you knew it was wrong to teepee houses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you chose to do that, but I think there's goodness in everybody. I mean, if you just followed that, if you could, Mm -hmm. you'd be fine because somebody, a, a higher power is telling you. You know, you shouldn't be doing that stuff. And if somebody tells you. So. Yeah. And if and if for for all for all the kids, 
and I know Pop did for for this for you, Uncle Matt. Like when I was in that those situations, like I heard my dad's voice very, very clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you do that, you're gonna have to deal with me. You know what I mean? And there was yep. a lot of those situations where I was like, "Yep, I'm not gonna throw an egg at that car." <laughs> yep, I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not I'm gonna not, drop a pineapple yeah. on that guy's head. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna <laughs> do these things. I'm not gonna throw something out the car and right. hit a, uh, somebody walking on the side of the street. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Even if you don't have that own ability in your head to say, oh, that's that's not something you should do. I know from my experiences of me having the parents that I had, me having the father that I have, like there was his voice like, no, nah, sure. you don't do that. So I know with my kids, I want them to be able to have that voice of their father in their head. Yeah, and hopefully to have to be able to recollect memories throughout their childhood where they've actually seen me do the things that I've sure been to them. You show so, them your role model, and you know that's they do. They're around their you know kids are around their parents. Yeah, so and so that's what I want. That's it's unfortunate that's that some parents, the parentals of of society these days, you know, it's it is a lot of the parents. So here in Chicago, you got the 150 teenagers running down Michigan Avenue, smashing cars and everything in the middle of the night. It's like, where, where, where are the parents, you know? And then they interviewed one lady that was there while it was happening. She said the same thing. Where are these people's parents and stuff like that? Obviously, sometimes you're, you're from a one, you know, one parent home makes it a little mm-hmm. bit tougher but yeah. uh you can still do the right thing yeah you know I what i mean those those for those i remember i was watching who i think it was steve harvey um he had a young man um on his show from a rough community that was there that didn't have a father right and on stage he had a lot of influential um men that were from that community and he said, which one of you are going to take on the responsibility to be a father figure to this kid? And they all raised their hands. And so for me, that was an example of even if a kid doesn't have a father figure in their life, for us who are fathers, it is also your duty when you see a young man who's not going down the path that is good for him to say, hey, listen, buddy, like you could do things better. Like I know we've had throughout our lives so many coaches in our sports that become father figures. Sure. Because they took the time out of their busy lives to not only teach you something about football or teach you something about baseball or basketball, but to, to teach you about being a good young man. Yeah. Teach you about life. And, and leadership too. Teaching leadership. Totally. And that's what I love. I, that's what I love about sports though, is that it parallels life so well. Yep. And teaches you so many important life lessons and life skills that you wouldn't learn if you don't play sports. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think, again, I, I think if we just do a better job at trying to make this world a better place, do a better job at, you know, not necessarily worrying about yourself all the time. And I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things is everybody's just worrying about themselves. You know, I mean, like, yep. oh, I got. I got problems. I got issues. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not disqualifying that. You know, everybody know has problems. They're just yeah, different. I noticed for sure from the experiences that I've had 
for me going through what I had to go through, I know this for sure, that if I walked into a room with a bunch of people that had problems and I had my problems and I threw them on the floor, I, pro I promise you somebody in that room will snatch you. They'll snatch it up real quick. Yeah. That puts into perspective your problems. Yeah. There's somebody who's who's going through way worse than yeah. you. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of correlated. I mean, it wasn't problems, but, you know, at practice uh, in high school and in college in Los Angeles, you know, oh, it was hot. You know, mm -hmm. people are complaining it's hot because it was hot. But I would always look at my guys and be like, what do you think it is in Mississippi right now? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like Louisiana and, no. and the schools down there, man, this is nothing compared to that. You think I, we have a problem or, yeah. or just with, with friends, you know, nowadays, like you said, you know, problems There's Oh, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to be late or whatever. Or just little ones yeah. like, Oh, I couldn't get, pair of shoes i wanted i'm like come on yeah. some people know, don't you know you're eating three five square meals a day people yeah. don't have some people don't have food it's like you yeah. miss a meal and you're all pissed and yeah. it's it's a joke man, man so uh, i have a quick question so i mean we did talk about like especially football coaches being role models in certain aspects who was your favorite coach to to play under or maybe maybe not favorite but most influential Oh, geez. So number one would be my father. He was the most influential by far. But who was the most influential person that wasn't my father? Um, the one that was in college was my defensive coordinator, Coach Bob Diaco. He was that one for me in college. Um, mm -hmm. He was one who I knew that loved me not for only not because of what I could do for him um but because he loved me because he just saw a young another young man that he could help mold into a a, a good human being and he always made sure and this is not only for myself I know he did it with all a, a whole bunch of us he always made sure that we're okay and I always I always um, attribute our success my senior year to him and the defensive staff because that year our defense was the number one defense. Oh, y'all were great! I, yeah, I, that season was incredible. Yeah. It was really fun to watch. And, and I credit Coach Diaco and his staff for that because the relationships that we built outside of the game showed in between those lines. You know what I mean? Like there was such love and such faith in each other there that. That's how we had all those goal line stands. That's how we, mm -hmm. that's how we didn't yeah. allow a rushing touchdown until I, I can't, I can't remember how long we went into the season without allowing one rushing touchdown. Wow. Um, it was because of that relationship that we built outside of football. Um, NFL, um, man, I, I, there's a few. Um, Coach Pagano was amazing um, for me my last year in the league. Coach. Coach Chuck Pagano. I was blessed to have his brother, also Coach John Pagano. He's so such a a student of the game. Like Coach Coach John Pagano helped me to analyze film better. Um, Coach Chuck Pagano was that one though that you know saw the growth in me because when I 
when I came out, when I was, you know, going through the whole catfishing thing, he was battling cancer. And so our stories kind of like were happening at the same time. And just like the inspiration from him, just him understanding where I was and where where I was like in 2012, 2013, and to for him to see me when I came to the Bears, he was a D coordinator over there, to see me in 2020, it was just one of those moments. But Coach Mike Nolan, I would say, was that one that I built that relationship with. He was my linebacker coach in in San Diego for two a year, a year or two years, for two years, I believe. I can't remember. But then he was with me for all three years in New Orleans. Nice. And uh, he was there. I, I went through a little political stuff. You know, I, I, I got through, I got to experience the other side of the political game in the NFL that wasn't so, it wasn't so nice and wasn't so lovely. Um, but Coach Nolan, he always vouched for me. Yeah. So I would say Coach Nolan in the NFL. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. How are your parents doing these days? Oh, they're good. You know, they they live like 10 minutes from us. Oh, that's right. You moved to get everybody's in Utah. Yeah. yeah. So they, they move. They're like 10 minutes from us. All the siblings are here. Nice. Um, How old's your little brother now? Is he playing it? 17. Yeah, he's a senior in high school now. Oh, nice. Does he, does he play football or any sports? No. How is he? So. In, he started his career. He started. He started when he was a freshman. He started playing. He, he started playing football as a freshman, and by default, they wanted him to play linebacker. And I was like, "It's ah. like, nah, bro. You know, it's like I want you to be able to play this game outside of my shadow." Sure. You know, a lot of people are putting you there because they know who your brother is. You know, and I was like, I want you to be able to be Manasseh. Like you, I want you to just play football as Manasseh, not because you're Manti's little brother. Um, and so I was able to coach him two years ago, his sophomore year. And I just looked at him and I'm like, bro, you're not a linebacker. It's like, I would, I, by your build, Uncle Matt, he's bigger than me. Yeah, Jeez. he's bigger than me. Are you fast? He's, Can he catch? Tied in. No, so I told him. So he's 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 really strong, and he's he has a he has a quick get off, and he has heavy hands. And I'm like, bro, I was like, trust me when I say this. I was like, I've been around this game a long time. You're not a linebacker, but what you are and what you have the potential to be as a very dominant D tackle. Sure. I was like, yeah, you nice. have that ability, and I was like, listen, if you want to. That's where I would I would put your hand in the dirt. I was like, because because these big boys now down, down there at the front. I mean, everybody know kind of where the the game is going. Them big boys that have their hand in there, they getting some nice paychecks now. Sure, like, them boys that play Mike Linebacker, we ain't really getting paid no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, bro, it's yeah. almost like a running back situation. It right? is like the running back situation. You yeah. know, so I was like, so put your hand in the dirt, bro. You'll get some money. Yeah. But he finally transitioned to D tackle, and he. Just last week, he had one of the best games that I've ever seen him play. He had like he had like a sack, a, a sack or two sacks. He had like a dozen tackles. And I'm like, "Are you having fun?" He was like, "Man, I'm having so much fun." I'm like, "That's yeah. that's the main. That's where it starts. That's, that's all that matters. 
Yeah, I know you wasn't having fun at linebacker. Like that's too. There's too much thinking in that position. <laughs> yeah. I I agree. <laughs> what? So he's a senior? Is he? Does yeah, he? Talking about colleges anywhere? Anybody? So so he does. Okay. Don't get mad, Uncle Matt. I want to go to UCLA. He wants to go to UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister, my sister went to Notre Dame. You went to Notre Dame. My sister's son played middle middle blocker at UCLA. Yeah. So we got everybody going right around me. But yeah, no, yeah, great program, of course. Yeah, so, he, so he's not. I don't. So I hope. I, I think. I think he has the potential. Um, he hasn't had any interest yet, um, from any colleges. But based on how I see him him playing this year, he'll have. I think he'll have some opportunities from some um from some smaller schools if he does decide, um, that he wants to you know try football, um, at the next level. But I told him I was like, bro, regardless of what it is, right? As I use football as a vehicle, I said, because if even if you don't want to play football, I was like, you'll have a free education. I said, because he wants to be an architect. Like he's he's real, like he's different. Like oh, nice. He's so smart. I was like, well, what better way to be an architect than to go to a school for free? You know, right. and right. going to that trade school over there, and then you can <laughs> get those qualifications and right. you know not have to worry about a a, a a, twi- yeah. a tuition check. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where you might get the phone call. No, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm done. I already paid for like, my sister's private school. Is like, I'm done. Now the I'm next done. one's I got to pay. Like, You're like, I got kids of my own right now. Yeah. Like those, those days are over. <laughs> what do you like to, what do you like to do for fun as far as maybe like hobby, something, uh, something outside, you yeah. know, where you kind of get to clear your mind? Yeah, Somebody, hunter, hunting, fishing. What do you like to do? Snowboarding. I love, I love. I love to go play pickleball. Oh, nice! All right. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you know, me and my wife, we love to do. Um, I love. Well, now I'm on this. We've been on this diet, um, but I love to like just go try out different restaurants. That's something that I've always loved to do. That's great. Um, yep. You know, but it's just. Being outside, I love. Oh, being in, I will say this: being in Utah, I love to go snowboarding. That's one thing. I started it two years ago. Oh. I'm addicted to it. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> that's one of the things I love is just to go snowboarding. And over here in Utah, they have a whole bunch of resorts that you can just sure go. Where yeah, have so. you been? Park. Where's the one that you like? Is Park so, City, Alta? I I've never been to Park City, but Parks. I looked at Park, Park City's lift tickets are like double the price of the lift tickets out over here. Yeah. It's like two hundred something just for a lift ticket. I'm like, I can get a wow. lift ticket for eighty bucks over here. Right. Same you snow. Know? Yeah, same <laughs> snow. Um, but I've been to Brighton. Brighton's cool, but the one I really, really like is this 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 one over here called Sundance. Yeah. I love I love that one. It's 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 a it's a little smaller. Um, but I, we, I like to go in there's these nice cabins up there that I rent a cabin for a few days Nice. and there was a few days, like me and my brothers would just go and just shred some snow. There you go. Leave, leave my sister, my, my wife and my, my sisters up at the cabin. They can just relax, chill sure, with all the babies and we'll go and (laughs) get the slopes. (laughs) There you go. Nice. Well, all right, man. Uh, we finally got you. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. 
Definitely, I think it was one of our best ones, man. You'll have to come on again yep. sometime. Gotcha. I, like, I love your for, I love your format, Uncle Matt. That's it, man. I like to just like to just talk. You That's know it. Maybe yeah, life talks, and it's not. You know, I've been. I just picked that concept up from you know just being kind of the shadow of my dad. You know, every yeah. interview is the same. How the bear is going to be. And da, 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 da. Yeah. So when I was talking to our producer, Brian, here is a Vikings fan. Yeah. And, and Amendola, it was like, let's just get on and talk and, you know, about life and what you like to do. Maybe some things that people don't know mm-hmm. about you, you know. And like we said, we're all humans, man. We all put our, yeah. our pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. So. I love you. But all righty, cool. buddy. Well, uh, thanks, man. Nice to meet thanks, you, Matt. Thanks, man, Ty. Appreciate it. You yeah. got it. See you later. Thanks, buddy. Thank you to Monte Teo for joining the show today. Thank you to my co-host, Matt Budkiss. Follow us on our social channels listed in the show description and the budkissaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing 51 merchandise, please go to dickbudkiss.com. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I am Matt Amendola, and we'll catch you on the next one. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from design and development to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is a technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They also are the official website and digital marketing provider for the Butkus Award and Butkus Foundation websites, and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1.